your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Paul Cotter with the game winner. And Logan Thompson had a 25-save shutout last night as the Golden Knights defeated Chicago one to nothing. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. You can find us on Twitter at Tony Dasco, at TD Chris G, at Lockdown VGK. That's all on Twitter. And make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked On VGK. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Chris, so uh, last night, pretty much a sloppy win for VGK, but you can say that um, VGK prevails and bailed out by Logan Thompson. Start there, stopping 25 shots to secure the one to nothing shutout. The only goal by Paul Cotter on a two on one break. Give us your takeaways. You were there at the game last night. Yeah, so underwhelming is a word to use as far as the game top to bottom. Let's start with the positive here, right? Logan Thompson shut out game one at season six, right? You know, goaltending is our asterisk. That's the one thing, Tony, we have said how many times we are concerned about. So let's be happy about that. Our biggest concern last night, at least in game number two of the season, was our biggest strength. So that's a very good takeaway. I thought Paul Paul Cotter had a very solid game, not just because of the goal that he scored, but just top to bottom, Paul Cotter seemed like he was a difference maker out there. Um, a couple different opportunities where, I mean, he had one chance before, was it after? Might have been after. But another basically two-on-one rush where he had an opportunity, and it seemed like he was the one person out there that was trying to take control of the game in this one. Yeah, and uh, when you talk about Cotter, that goal, that was the only offense, as we mentioned, one to nothing. Uh, So Cotter comes out of the box. He was in there for that hooking penalty, comes out of the box shortly thereafter, uh, breaks out, receives that stretch pass from Zach Whitecloud, and that spearheaded the two-on-one. What was so impressive there was that he had Riley Smith on his left, well, at least as we saw it on TV. So I don't know which side of the arena you were on, but Riley Smith yeah. uh, was on his left and he used him more or less as a decoy. And he kind of glanced over there once and uh, they hung out uh, to dry the defenseman. I think it was Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones was back defensively uh, for uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. That look off, that was a veteran move. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that. They they talked about that in the post game on the way home. I can't remember which uh, gentleman pointed out. It was either Ryan, the hockey guy, or or Dan Duba, the voice of the Golden Knights. But they said that a lot of times when you have a youngster in that situation, it's you and a veteran who certainly knows how to finish, and Riley Smith has scored a goal or two. More times than not, the younger player will default to make in the past because that's the safer play. That's the play that doesn't maybe get you questioned as much in the locker room. And the fact that Cotter, for lack of a better term, had the stones, not Mark Stones, but stones. He had the stones to uh, take that shot. And, I mean, it was a beautiful shot. He just 
ripped it. I mean, that's the type of shot that uh, deserves the celebration that he gave. Um, yeah, so Cotter, he's going to be a difference maker. He's going to be trouble early. And, you know, I did think he was going to be able to push people around on the fourth line as far as Carrier and Colasar possibly losing some ice time because of Cotter. But day game two, he already he pushed. He pushed Amadio out of the lineup. Now, let's not take shots at Amadio here. That's not the point of this. But, you know, Cassidy is going to be making moves, not afraid to keep players in the lineup. And that bottom six is, and even the top six, I mean, Marchi is already on line three. You know, he wasn't penalized to be put on line three, but Marchi is on line three. So let's give Cassidy some credit for spinning the dials here and having the stones, if you will, to make a big lineup change game two. Yeah, and uh, I think the big difference for Chicago last night, obviously, was the goaltending as well. Oh, God, Alex yeah. Stalock, his second appearance in 26 months in the National Hockey League, and he looked like a veteran out there. Uh, partially, you know, a lot of the credit goes to him, but VGK should have scored more goals, many more goals. Uh, McNabb missed a couple of uh, shots inside. Uh, Kolasar missed uh, an empty net. Oh, I'm so uh, glad you brought that up, in, Tony. I'm so glad in, in abundance, they they missed a lot of uh, empty nets uh, right there, point blank. So, and again, shout out to my 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 day one friends that have been behind us in 217 uh, row Q. Uh, gotten to know their family. They're just crazy. Last uh, six years, how much their daughter's grown and stuff, and it's just awesome to you know have those relationships with the people around you, uh, being a season ticket holder. And so we we joke. I mean, for lack of a better term, we make fun of of um, excuse me of Keegan Colasar, not him as a person, but his finishing ability. There's times I will literally have my head down. If Colasar has a breakaway, I'll just have my head down, shaking my head. I can I can hear my friends behind me just laughing right. as it's happening. So sure is um, a word I'm not going to say, but er, the first big chance of the game was Colasar. I thought it was going to be a goal, and I see what happened. I see the miss, and I couldn't see in real time exactly what happened, but then it clicked instantly that Colasar was the one who foobarred that chance. I turn around, I just do this, I say Colasar, and I get I start getting chirped, Tony. There's a there's a pe- there's a there's a chirps. I got chirps. There's a couple I know, people that I sit know. right next to. Him. I put this on our locked on Twitter account last night, but okay. they were what happened. So the guy looked at me and said, "You wait, you wait, you wait." He wasn't trying to fight me, nothing like that. But you wait, you you wait and see what Colasar is going to do. Come February, you wait. And I looked at him and said, "Listen, I like Colasar, but you know that wasn't good." And I, I got the read as the game went on. They're either friends or I don't think they're, I mean, if they're family of Keegan Colasar, I mean, this is Colasar. I don't know if you're listening to right now, but if the best you can do for friends and family is 217 row R, you got to <laughs> negotiate a better deal here. You got paid this off season. I know VGK prices have gone up, but you know, I know you can do better than 217 row R for your friends and family. Um, it was, it was fun though. I mean, cause I've been, very, I've also been very high on Colasar. I pointed out my, my one stat that no one else in the world ever says he was fourth in scoring amongst those in top 10 in the league in hits. But I had another very pleasant conversation with someone on Facebook. We're going back about two months ago. I gave my take on Keegan Colasar. Keegan Colasar is our topic on day one after a huge VGK win. This is great by the way, folks. But, um, if you're still watching, God bless you. But, 
WTF, point, the WTF segment isn't until later. That's OK. Three. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Keep I'm going, on a roll, Tony. Going. I'm on a roll. Yeah, yeah you are. So um, someone hits me on Facebook when I gave him that stat line. They're like, yeah, but he's underwhelming. He's not the type of player that maybe plays up to his statistics and stuff like that. It's a fair statement. And listen, King Colstar, I think, is going to be just fine this season. But those in a serious note. That's the one thing that he really needs to elevate in his game is his finishing ability because he can hit, he can play defense, he can put up some points for a top 10 hitter. This is the part of his game, especially those layups. That that was a layup, right, Tony? That was a layup that he missed last night, all kidding aside. And that could be the difference maker of that game going to overtime last night and us talking about an underwhelming game where we left a point on the table. Okay, another thing I think that Cassidy was upset about was the inability to score in the empty net. My goodness. He was fired up. It was funny. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, too, you're talking, you're talking about the fourth line. Uh, The top line did not play very well. Uh, Not good production wise. And at one point, as I was watching the game here, uh, I saw where Marshall. So was moved to the top line and Kessel uh, switched with him and went on uh, the third line in that game last night. I didn't catch the line change. Um, I was kind of watching, but I was trying to enjoy the game more as a fan versus uh and chirping to... at and chirping at uh, Colasar's friends. Uh, yeah, and great. And 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 me and this gentleman, we we talked later in the game. I actually looked at him and said, "Hey, I don't hate on Colasar. I want you to think that you know." And he's actually, I think, Chicago. He asked me if I was a White Sox or a Cub fan. Immediately, I snapped and said, "White Sox." And he looked at me and shook his head. So me and this guy, we're off to a bad start, Tony. We're off to a bad start. But I'll if I if I could afford a beer next time I see him, I'll buy him one. But it's you know what the Friday what the Friday segment three. So I'm going to stop talking about that right now. But the one thing that I was looking for in this game was someone to take control. This was the type of game, and I'm not just pointing at Jack Eichel right now by any means. This is the type of game where I think you needed one player to expose a weekend i say weekend like they just played last night got their butts kicked by colorado but and expose a weak and fatigued chicago blackhawks team yeah they played a good game let's not take anything away from the blackhawks they played, but they played better in the neutral zone than i imagined as so, well and here's something else tony you mentioned they the blackhawks lost five to two i believe to colorado on wednesday yeah, night it was five okay to two. how many power play goals did colorado get four okay so the Blackhawks aren't that bad, at least through two games. They're not that bad of a five-on-five team, Tony, right? Mm, I mean, true. we can draw a conclusion to that. It's, it's early, but, you know, so the Blackhawks, maybe they're not a complete dumpster fire. They're going to be a fire of some sort, maybe not a complete dumpster fire, at least uh, not in the early stages. But back to my point, someone needs to take over a game like this. It could be Eichel. It, and Paul Cotter was the man last night, as Logan Thompson was. But someone else to just control this game that was would have been really hard to defend against, and I didn't see that last night. Um, the positive I did see is VGK on the attacking side of the neutral zone very well with the stretch passes early on, created a lot of opportunities. But their protection of the neutral zone also was not very good at times. Chicago did have a lot of breakaways where they had a player staged right in front of the VGK bench, wide open. You would think someone on the bench would be yelling, and I don't know how that how that communication happens, but there was a couple of times, and this is the one thing that Cassidy did allude to many times, is their defensive system was going to protect 
the neutral zone more and not allow as many odd man rushes or in last night's case, breakaways. And, you know, that was a failure last night. Call it what it is. Yeah. And with those stretch passes for VGK, there was a couple of times in the third period, I believe, where Mark Stone, they just kept feeding him with these long passes, you know, into the zone. And I thought that that was kind of uh, funny uh, in that, you know, VGK was able to execute that. And then uh, defensively, though, uh, when they needed to, I think VGK buckled up. There was a 12 minute span in the game in which Chicago didn't have a shot on goal. And then I think in the second period, um, it was a uh, it was 10 to nothing shots on goal in the final eight minutes and 22 seconds. And so uh, they did play well at times defensively. Why do they have issues against Chicago, uh, against the Blackhawks? The Blackhawks weren't great last season. They won the season series against VGK. And they just always seem to play uh, their Super Bowl games, if you will, against the Golden Knights. I mean, seasons one through three or one through four, we own the Blackhawks. Last season... The series was 2-1, but the one we got, Tony, if you recall, we were down 3-0, nothing, and uh, nothing good old uh, Dodonov had to uh, had to save the day for us in overtime in that game, and a, a super fun, exciting game. And, you know, the Blackhawks, there's not much hope right now. They know that in the locker room. I'm not saying there wasn't effort, and there's not going to be effort throughout the year, but I think the cliff is going to come pretty quickly for the Blackhawks as far as when things are going to start turning pretty bad. I mean, they're already 0-2, right? They're already 0-2, and... At least there's hope right now at the stage of the game. At least there's hope. They're only two games into the season. Once game 24, 25, 26 comes, efforts like last night will be much uh, fewer and farther between. Um, Mark Stone had some good moments last night. I felt Mark Stone was attacking a lot. There were some times where instead of, I mean, Mark Stone seems like a pass first type player when he's, you know, not not in, in the attacking area, but when he's, you know, kind of in that area outside of, the face-off circle between the blue line. And there was a few times I saw he was attacking. Uh, Chandler Stevenson buzzed around the net a lot. Jack Eichel, he had his moments where he would take the puck, go behind, do this, do that. I, I thought their power play was still a time kind of just kind of not clicking yet. The breakouts, I don't like this power play breakout that Cassidy has. I, I get what he's trying to get the players to do, and it's more of an attack and more of a blitz, if you will. But I much prefer what the Blackhawks were doing and what the Golden Knights used to do was utilize, uh, you know, that drop pass at around the blue line or the center line to someone that has a full head of steam. And then they either carry the puck right in themselves or make a pass that when you have a player coming in as fast using the old entry, you have to protect against that player crossing the blue line in a give and go and stuff, which brings the other team's defense back closer to the net. Whereas what they're doing now it seems like the other team's killers, penalty killers, that is, are actually being more aggressive in this style. And we're having a hard time getting that entry going right now. We're, we're doing okay if we win the faceoff in the low zone. But once the, that first clear comes, I'm not I'm not liking what I'm seeing so far. And VGK also, you know, defensively, while we're at it, I think they have to do a better job of keeping players off of their goaltender, off of Logan Thompson. Uh, Lafferty uh, had that hit on him. Uh, he was called for goalie interference, I think, right? And Blackwell, yes. is that his name? Yeah, he was there. There was like three or four occasions where they ran into Logan Thompson, and that never would have happened on Ryan Reeves' watch. Just had to get that. Yeah, there. come on, Cole, sir. Um, okay. Go ahead. Can go we, ahead. Let's go to break, yeah, and then we'll come back and talk about Seattle. 
we're way behind with our time this morning. That's fine. And uh, That's we'll fine. be back with more. We will talk to VGK. We'll talk about VGK traveling to Seattle on Saturday night. They've got Seattle and Calgary in this upcoming road swing. Back with more of this. Locked on Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting information this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on each and every game that you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn much more. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Our podcast free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And also make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked On VGK. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. It's Friday. You can tell that there's a little pep in my step, right? Uh, VGK travels to Seattle. They meet the Kraken tomorrow night, Chris. Seattle is one and one, the loss in overtime in Anaheim, and they beat the Kings last night four to one. So they're in second place behind VGK currently with three points. And when you look at this Seattle team, they have a much better. I watched some of the game last night and it ended in fisticuffs at the end. Um, the emotion spilled over there and uh, they got into it at the end of the game. And even quick, you know, the goaltender for the Kings skated down ice and it was almost going to be a, a big fracas. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. It's they play again, uh, but a better roster uh, than last season. I think we can start there offensively. Uh, Ron Francis signing, uh, signing Andre Barkovsky from Colorado, from the avalanche. And they also got uh, Oliver uh, Bjorkstrand from CBJ. And, you know, this is a team now uh, that they just play gritty and, and they play hard. And last night, I mean, they pretty much owned the Kings. The Kings really couldn't get into any sort of a flow. They played well defensively. I like the way they were skating up and down the ice. And they even got uh, some some pretty decent goaltending. They had back-to-back games with Martin Jones. Martin Jones was in that, in that game. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, I, I, I believe, up there in Seattle in the Emerald City. And this is a team... I don't think Seattle's never beaten VGK, right? No. I don't think they've ever beaten the Golden Knights. So I think it was 3 nothing in the series in their inaugural season. Yeah, no doubt about that. And probably four games, right? Two and two, I think. But either way, we I think we swept uh, we swept Seattle. So this is definitely not uh, not last year's Seattle, not not your grandmother's Seattle crack. And if that even makes sense, I don't even know how to say that. But Seattle has made some moves. And, I mean, there's there's models out there models being you know simulations and stuff like that and predictions that i've seen seattle as high as i think third place in the pacific and it's fair i mean anything can happen throughout the season our window for vgk as far as their finishing spot they could win the division they could be sixth place and not be competitive and i can make a case for each side of that so the same does go for seattle as they have some veterans they've improved in a lot of places they have young talent that's already developing in the pipeline um the one interesting i thing i did take out of last night's press conference with cassidy is i think aiden hill does make his debut tomorrow so cassidy made the comments logan knew he was going games one and two he said that 
verbatim in his presser last night. Does that mean he's not not going game three? Not necessarily, but when I hear Logan knows he's going games one and two, I hear Aiden Hill's going game three. That is exactly what I hear. I think Cassidy wants to get Aiden Hill involved, and I think he even went a step farther um, in some other conversations, saying it doesn't necessarily it's it, the, the performance is not going to necessarily indicate if you're going to keep your spot in the lineup necessarily. He doesn't want to penalize players who you know just fail that one time, but he also wants to keep things moving along a little bit, which might explain the Amadio move last night to a. Uh, have him uh, scratched in favor of Paul Cotter. So I do think there is a script here, um, kind of like football, the first nine or 10 games, nine or 10 plays of the game are scripted. I think uh, there is a plan for the first maybe five, six, seven games for a fixed goalie rotation. Now, if Aiden Hill struggles in Seattle, and we lose five to one, you can probably throw that script out the window, I think. But for now, I think uh, Aiden Hill is going to go tomorrow night and try to keep BGK 3-0. and Yeah, and I did uh, read a lot about uh, what coach Cassidy had said uh said that he has a schedule for the first month of the season and so he said he will try to stick to that he also said he also said that uh interestingly enough that Laurent Brossois might figure in the mix as well and yeah yeah what he said also about okay if you go out there and you stink you know we're not going to hold it against you we're just going to clean some things up and it's not going to hurt you in the rotation which I also found you know pretty interesting and they'll go up against Philip Grubauer because Grubauer had the night off last night. Uh, an up and down season in his first year, but he didn't have much defense in front of him. I think they've kind of fixed a lot of that. He had 55 starts last season at Philip Grubauer. And uh, you talked about young talent. Uh, Matty Beniers, oh my goodness, that guy's got a huge upside. Played in 10 games, I think, at the end of last season. Scored a goal in each preseason game this year. And he, they just let him go. Like he made some bad plays last night that I saw and they just keep him out there, just keep buzzing. And they try to, you know, just make him improve. And then Shane Wright, who was the number four overall pick, Mm -hmm. but this is a team that has struggled mightily against the Pacific division. And perhaps things are changing in Seattle. They were six and 20 against the Pacific division last year. And as we saw now they're one and one and at home, they were seven and five, Chris, in their last 12 games at home. So things might sort of be coming together there. One thing to watch out for the power play. Special teams will be a big factor in this game. In the opener against Anaheim, Seattle had three power play goals. So this is going to be an important game, I think, for VGK to see where they're at in special teams. Agree? No, no doubt about that. And special teams, uh, Against the Kings, uh, not too bad, right? We we noted we noted a uh, one power play goal, one right as uh, the power play expired last night. Nothing on the power play, but also uh, took care of home, you know, on on the penalty kill. The one thing about Seattle, I guess I'll point out is Seattle is doing what I think VGK, what hey, people thought VGK might do, which was not have a very good first season, but they also didn't trade away a lot of their young assets to improve their team down the stretch, which VGK, you know, did make some very notable moves as they were trying to compete for a Stanley cup in season number one. So this is more of what watching Seattle now is what we thought we would be watching in Vegas for a while. And I guess I'll be curious to see if we uh, compare season six VGK to season six Seattle down the road, 
where those teams are. And that might be an interesting off-season type show, Tony. We pick a timeline at the end of each year, compare, you know, a, a one year down the road, I guess, to see where they are. Yeah, but Ron Francis has done a pretty good job. I think that they had, uh, again, last season, they kind of just figured things out more or less. and But they have a plan. They definitely had a plan. And then, you know, with those uh, additions, I think Barakovsky, you could see a noticeable difference there. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand, you know, from Columbus, uh, those two players are standouts. And I think they've got a big upside. I really do. And I, it's prediction time before we go into WTF, what the Friday. So do you have a prediction on Saturday night's game? Last night, we got blasted, by the way, because we thought it was going to be a high scoring game last night. It was a one to nothing game. Some guy just took us to task. He goes, you said they were going to score six goals. OK, that's me. I'm accountable. And they should. They had at least six open nets, shots on, on open nets last night. Plus, the end of the game, empty net goal. They should have had. Um, a shout out, as I was really fast, and the jersey's not up there right now, folks, because it's got to go in the in the washing machine. The Blackhawks jersey is not there right now. But as I was going up the stairs, I uh, got recognized by a listener. Forgive me, I never got a chance to get your name, but uh, we had a little quick, pleasant interaction. And a couple other people out there did, you know, take a moment to say hello to me last night in the in the the stands and stuff like that so that was kind of fun to see as far as tomorrow night's prediction let's go five to five going to overtime <laughs> and march is so nets the game winner with two seconds left on the clock i'm gonna go four three seattle they're gonna start throwing things at me they're gonna throw things at you in, in about five minutes anyway tony but anyway whatever. Okay, coming up next, the much-awaited WTF What the Friday. We'll be back with more after this on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Chris was at last night's game. Great observations. We really appreciate everything that you do on the show, as well as he handles the YouTube channel, so please subscribe. Uh, Chris, Chris has to save up for another jersey for that back wall and thanks for making us your first listen every day our podcast free and available wherever you get your podcast what the friday we are ready it is on you can go first do you want to so it's gotta be about colasar no i'm not chirping in any fans no i'm 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 ending the way i started the week so when you go to the movie theater, folks, right, you see the small popcorn, the medium popcorn, and this huge, majestic tub of popcorn. Huge, huge, huge. And that's the one they want you to buy because it's actually more advantageous for the movie theater company. And that's the way they do that. So where I'm going with this is I mentioned on Monday, they charge $15 at the Dollar Loan Center for a box of popcorn what I would consider to be the medium size at the movie theater. They charge $15 at T-Mobile Arena for that majestic, magnificent, huge tub of popcorn. It's $8.75. Let's go a step farther. The chicken fingers at T-Mobile Arena are $14.50, which is 50 cents cheaper than a medium box of popcorn at the Dollar Loan Center. So what the WT, I almost, I want to say it, but I don't because I'll get yelled at by (laughs) Sean, but 
you know, what did. the what the there. Friday, what the Monday, what the every dang day there is a game at the Dollar Loan Center. Why are we charging 15? And I'll be at Dollar Loan Center tonight. I hope I can retract the statement. I hope they uh, fixed it. They can say there was a, a, a problem with the they can say technical difficulties. Someone clicked the wrong button and the price was wrong day one. Fine. I don't care. But if I go there and see a $15 price for popcorn, I will be on the lockdown Twitter handle tonight, the Dollar Loan Center. Shout out the, the, the Henderson Silver Knights open their third season tonight, the Dollar Loan Center against the Tucson Roadrunners. Uh, silver carpet festivities around 3.30 or 4 o'clock. You can catch them uh, out front on the tilt yard there and uh, see the players walk in the silver carpet. Uh, as uh, they get ready for their inaugural uh, matchup tonight against the two, not the two scan, the two sun roadrunners. You're going to get one of those big turkey legs that they're selling tonight. No, that that'll be about twenty bucks. Give us. No, a it's going to be cheaper than the popcorn, Tony. If that's cheaper than the popcorn, I'm going to maybe I'll put. Okay, I'm going to dip a turkey leg in the popcorn and twist it and eat it like that. What do you think? I'm down for that. Just post it, man. We need some. We're here for the clout. We're here for the clout. It sounds uh, terrible. Okay, so what the Friday? Why did VGK players have to go through all these ceremonies and pomp and? Oh, here we go. The gold carpet and waiting for intros, all that, all that. I think by the time the game started, I'm not going to lie. I thought that they were tired, and you know Bruce Cassidy had talked about all these distractions at home. And, you know, I, I just think that they had to go out on the red carpet and do some modeling and show off their latest suits and fashion and all that. And then, again, the distractions at home with wives and kids, girlfriends, mistresses, what have you. And uh, they don't have to go through all that. All right. It's the home opener. It's not like they're having a celebration of raising a banner or hoisting the Stanley Cup. It's the opening game, folks, and I thought that the players showed that they were pretty tired and worn out by the time the game started. Again, enough of these celebrations and ceremonies and mistresses and all that. That's my WTF. Mistresses? What the? I just had to throw that in there. All right, so Tony's going to do this, so I'm, I'm firing right back at Tony. I think I'm also going to fire another shot at Tony here, so... This is kind of a WTF, but this is more. I tweeted for my personal accounts, and I tweeted our, our good friend, our, our, our good friend uh, Joe Rigo from Franchise Sports Media, who actually <laughs> shout out to Joe is the one who connected me and Tony. So if it wasn't for Joe doing this, my magnificence, never mind. We're not going to say anything about that. But I did say, <clears throat> I, I said, Tony, look, people having fun. What do you think is a fun <laughs> night for Tony? So I said, I'll start by he enjoys giving candy corn on Halloween to the trick-or-treaters, fully knowing no kid likes candy corn. And then R-O-double-B, nah. He's the kind of dude that hands out toothbrushes, talking about you'll thank me later when your teeth don't rout. Um, we're not going to talk about that one. That's not a good one. There were All some right. other ones in there that Let's were bad. Let's see uh, that one. That's, uh, okay. I'm going to tell you what my approach on, is. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I don't even Rigo. answer. I'm not, I, I stay out and I bet on sports, a, a basketball game in a sports book. That's what I do. I'm not right. even at home on Halloween. I got one more and then it's yours. Joe Rigo jumps on. He gives out scratched CDs of Ace of Base that he signed and said it was them. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that is so, so, so awesome. I love that. Thank you, Joe. Shout out to Joe Rigo for uh, 
I guess making all this happen, I guess in a very serious note, I used to write with franchise sports media, just the time for that, just kind of uh, my personal schedule got involved, got in the middle of that for a while there. And uh, so now we're here and uh, I couldn't be uh, happier to be blasting my co-host three times a week on, uh, on Locked on Golden Knights. Got to have fun. Got to have fun. That's your fun. I have my sort of fun, which is below the radar, way below. But last night, my WTF, uh, this was something I caught on Twitter. And a couple of scribes from Chicago uh, just put out some notes. And Mark Lazarus said that it seems deliberate that Vegas is using the Blackhawks secondary logo on the ice and the scoreboard. He said, I know half of you don't want to have that discussion, but it's going to happen more and more. And then Ben Pope uh, also said uh, from Chicago, from uh, the news media, he said that Vegas has always used and something that I never noticed, has always used the Blackhawks alternate logo at T-Mobile. He said his understanding is that because the night mascot stabs the opposing team's logo in the pregame, and they didn't want it to look like he's killing a Native American. I'll leave it there. Just WTF. I don't have anything else to say about that. But I, that secondary logo that was on the ice, what does that quite look like? I can't really describe it. But the, the primary logo is the Native American, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's the Indian head, and it's been the, the logo head. since day one. And, yeah. I mean, listen, if VGK is being that careful – What's like is was, was that gentleman not? No, I mean, they weren't blasting it. No, it was okay. Just, okay, I was just kind of the thought that went into. Then that's a great observation. You know, I mean, just that, seeing that's, that, yes, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great but observation. WTF, and, that was just something yeah. out of the blue that I did not expect. I mean, we should uh, be stabbing people in pregame. <laughs> we've got uh, Razor Wolf at Razor Wolf on Twitter. WTF is up with VGK always making games harder on themselves. Amen. That is a huge WTF. Should not have been that close last night. Uh, we got chirped at, speaking of chirping, by our good friends at Locked On Sharks last night. I don't know if you noticed. No, uh, you're going to kill my vibe, whatever. But Santa the real Mr. Hoot said, uh, stay, stay locked was VGK Locked On dude, a Sharks fan. Uh, so he doesn't understand how every team steps up to play us. And that's what he said. Teams uh, go to play the Sharks there, and it's their day off. Oh, a day off, he said. Uh, Stay locked at a hell of a game, especially like the toughness factor. Love a goalie who chirps back to other teams. And that is a good WTF. And we did get, we got uh, railed a little bit by them. Uh, Matt Jackson, uh, the uh, 21 on Twitter, um, said, why the F, it's supposed to be, what the F, uh, is the power play still bad? Well, that's not Listen, and, and Tony, you make all the hoopla and stuff that goes into opening night. Yes, there there could be some type of, you know, something behind your statement about the team being a little tired last night. Let's it, it is a reasonable observation to make. Is the power play still bad? Let's not go that far. It's game two. They're they're one for what? One for six already on the season. You know, you can put an asterisk next to a goal that they should have had as well as far as right as time expired. So let's not go that far. The Blackhawks, like I said, this is their, they will never be closer to a playoff spot than they are right now. Right. And as sad as that sounds, they'll never be closer to a playoff spot than they are right now. So 
you got a lot of energy out there. You got players that are playing, trying to get traded also because the Blackhawks will have the fire sale of fire sales starting about November with Kane, Taves, if they can sit, ship Seth Jones somewhere and get that contract out of there. Uh, Max Domi, even same thing, right? If they can ship out those older players to cup contenders, they're going to, and they might even take some house-friendly deals on the Blackhawks side, that is, to rid themselves of not necessarily Kane and Taves, but you know their second uh, their second tier of talent. So well, let's well, listen. I I know I was a little tough on our beloved Golden Knights in the first segment, probably harder than Tony is on on a regular basis. But you know that game was what it was. It was a one nothing winner. Let's be happy about that. And if VGK can only go up from last night's game, we're in a good spot. I I said this uh, this morning just to one of our one of our listeners. I'm okay with looking bad and winning a game like this versus looking good and not winning the game. I'm okay, okay. with that in game two of the season. I've got another WTF that just came to mind. Yes. Watching and listening, the ice, the ice conditions. They just kind of slided into their broadcast. What was the ice like last night? Because they hinted at it not being good. And I think they asked Logan Thompson – they asked someone during one of those intermission uh, breaks about the ice conditions, and then they were railing against the ice conditions in L.A. the other night. Enough of that. Both teams have to play on the same stinking ice. But how was the ice last night? We've got about a minute and change to go. Okay, I'll, I'll make it real quick. The ice was fun. This is ridiculous. What, like they, I don't know. Whenever things go bad around here, they always point to the ice. And the ice condition. The ice was great last night. There was no issues. You didn't see the ice crew having to go out there for unscheduled repairs. It was the ice was fine. Warm ups, it was fine. I didn't. I did see uh, Murphy for the Blackhawks leave during the pregame skates. Something happened, but he was out there. So the ice he was slipped on the ice. That's what happened. It's slippery, folks. We'll be back again on Monday. We thank you all for tuning in. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Lockdown VGK. We'll see you again Monday right here on Lockdown Golden Knights.